We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are 166 weeks into two weeks to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and the fan favorite somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Lord Marty Foster. Lord Foster, it is good to see you. How are you? I'm very well. I, I skipped a week. I do apologize. Um, I'm glad to be back. I've had a, a fun weekend in the Warwickshire countryside, uh, live action role playing, eating lots of meat, unfortunately uh, engaging in conversation with... Um, them days there was an awful lot of them days about um how are you guys healthy and alive here i'm doing just fine thank you uh i've i've been very busy as i was uh, discussing with you in uh, in prep but uh, enough about me i've i'm doing boring stuff i'm i'm reading and you know checking out library books and all the rest of it tell us about your sabbatical from us last week tell us about your uh, uh your your larping event and how many snowflakes whatever you call them how many of them did you lay waste to i laid waste to several libtard snowflakes them days it was most gratifying this one in particular that so far has it, he's frustrated me i am desperate to get his character to fight my character in a duel. Um, several other characters that have insulted his character have, have wound up being, you know, forced to apologize or have to fight a duel. But uh, I insulted him really, really well at, at the full extent of my vocabulary several times over the course of the weekend. But the lily livered chicken shit bastard still wouldn't uh, offer me out. So I've got a cunning plan. I don't want to reveal what it is just yet, but it does involve an explosion. Uh, I'm doing the air quotes, obviously a live action role play explosion, which isn't a real explosion at all. Could you just explain, to make absolutely clear? Yeah, yeah, of course. Sorry. Could could you explain to what is with the what what is it with the English? You guys apologize. You and Ned apologize all the time. Could you explain to me and obviously to the to the listener? Could you explain what a duel in one of these events actually entails? Because when I think duel. The first thing that comes to my mind is the old French thing where they slap you across the face with the white glove and you've got 10 paces and turn and shoot. Well, of course, yeah, there, there is that element to it. It's a formal challenge. And usually if there's a formal challenge, there's rules. And so because in this fantasy world that I occasionally live in at weekends, 
has magic and other kind of powerful things. All that is stripped away from the character, so it's just whoever is the better fighter wins. So um, Somehow I feel like you would win that. He thinks he's awesome, and I'm quite happy to let him to continue to think he's awesome until such time as I slap him upside the head with my latex axe and show him otherwise. But I can't do that because we're technically on the same side. So we're fighting bad guys elsewhere. So this is an internal struggle, if you see what I mean. So, yeah, I sound very childish as I'm saying all this. Because during the course of one of these weekends, you hit a wall. And that wall is, what the flying am I doing here? You know, because uh, you get to a certain age, you might not have had much sleep. It could be cold, it could be wet, it could be too hot. Whatever the conditions, you just hit this wall where you ask yourself, what the hell are you doing in a field, dressed up as something, carrying pretend weapons? But then you get over it, you carry on enjoying yourself, you get to slap a libtard, and things are rosy again. So I probably will be going again um, later in the summer. Well, it sounds fun. Uh, I mean... uh Apart from all of that stuff, it, it sounds like you uh, you have a really great time when you go out and do these things. You tell me about all the food that you prepare, and you prepared a wonderful meal for all of your, um, uh, is it patrons, or is it uh, is it fellow warriors, well, it, or is it fighters? Faction members. Faction Let's say members. faction members, yeah. I mean, there was 60 to 80 people playing, and there was 10 of us as a faction. But that's another interesting thing about it. My particular character, because I'm getting older, and I actually don't need to spend my experience points on fighting skills. Instead, I took nobility and political influence as skills, which gives you more votes. And each event, they hold an election for three members uh, to join the Tri-Council, who are in charge of the players and what we're going to do over the course of the weekend. Now, this is the really funny thing. Uh, Because I've taken those skills and got my mate who's the same sort of age as me within my faction to take similar skills, um, we effectively held more votes in our hand than the entire player party. So we decided, out of those that are standing, who was going to be on the Tri-Council. Thereafter, our faction paid no taxes, got free things like enchantment of weapons, free resources, all the good missions, all the best intel, simply by giving our votes and creating the the three council members so it just it really is a mirror on real life it, it's just a reflection of real life if you've got old money nobility and political influence you can decide who's in charge but really you're in charge because you're pulling the strings it actually uh as you said sounds like the real world it sounds uh Quite entertaining. I, I I especially like the uh, being able to slap around a libtard. That that part um, interests me. You're gonna have to well, come over sometime before I get too old. You're gonna have to come over and slap a libtard with me. <laughs> it sounds like fun. I'm actually closer. I could just get in the car and literally drive over there. Well, you're, you're welcome. August is the next one I'm going. Well, to. the problem is, yeah, the only thing that's stopping me from actually doing that is I have to drive across France, and I really just don't want to deal with it. Can't you get the? Well, I mean, Belgium is almost France anyway. Can't you? Can't you get onto the 
the the tunnel there onto the train there i think so yeah or i can just honestly i yeah. can just take it i can take i can take a, a train from frankfurt and i could it, it actually puts me there so I, I would have to go through i think paris is the exchange unfortunately so i would have to go through uh, there but i think it's direct to london after that yeah well enough Any, about my anyway. nonsensical immature hobbies what we're going to talk about next well, Marty, I thought since since you're here and you've talked at length at, at many, many times about how much you actually admire this individual, I thought I would give you carte blanche to, to tell everybody what you think of billionaire philanthropist and international financier George Soros. What I think of George Soros is you probably unbroadcastable because it would be one continuous string of bleeps. But the truth of the matter is, he was a Hungarian Jewish teenager during the Second World War. And in order to escape the Nazis, or rather escape being sent to a concentration camp, posed as a Christian and became what was known then as a Judenrat, someone who would point out who the Jewish families were, where they were hiding, to the SS, to the Gestapo. And the man has no moral compass. He's admitted that himself in, in TV interviews where he says, I'm just about making money and morals do not come into it. it in fact, they're a hindrance. And, you know, I've, a lot of these people who have become billionaires where they weren't born into it necessarily, have a different drive. They are wired differently to the rest of us because most of us, when we reach the millionaire stage, buy a nice big house, a boat, uh, go on several holidays, spend more time with the family. Not these people. They just keep making more and more wealth for themselves because they're wired differently. And certainly the the kind of... Um, mental anguish that must come with pointing out your own people to a hostile occupying army that will take them away and kill them um, would be more than most people could cope with. However, Soros seemed to manage. He does. And, you know, there's, there are a lot of people that uh, that don't agree with his practices, uh, the way that he does business. And you know, we've talked about that several times before. The point I'm trying to make here is, is that yesterday, Elon Musk, and we've talked about him before, we played a couple of clips of him here in recent times. He gave an interview to CNBC, which is the financial network in the US. And of course, George Soros has been featured on there many times. And he's talked about his investment moves are on there, talked about all the time. And, and quite frankly, whether you agree with George Soros's business practices or not, the fact is, is that his decisions single-handedly move markets and you should pay attention to them, whether you like his practices or not. People in the financial and the business world make or break their decisions based on the moves that he makes. Case in point, he is known to this day as the man who broke the Bank of England. So people pay attention to his financial moves. But Elon Musk says yesterday in a tweet that George Soros hates humanity. Is that accurate? I I no, I think he hates himself, but he's turning that. And he reprojects it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, yeah. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I'd like to play a little snippet here of uh, Elon Musk being questioned about this by the interviewer on CNBC. If you don't mind, please do. But how do you make a choice? You don't see. I mean, in terms of when you're going to engage. I mean, for example, even today, Elon, you you, you tweeted this thing about George Soros. 
what I'm looking for because I want to make sure I quote it properly. But I mean, you know what you wrote. But you basically it reminds me of Magneto. This is like, you know, calm down, people. This is not like made a, like a federal well, you, case out of it. You also you, know, <laughs> you said he wants to erode the very fabric of civilization, and Soros hates humanity. Like when you do something like that, do you yeah, think I think about, that's true. That's my opinion. Okay, but why share it? Why share it? Especially, because, I mean, why share it when people who buy Teslas may not agree with you? Advertisers on Twitter may not agree with you. Um, why not just say, hey, I think this. You can tell me. We can talk about it over there. You can tell your friends. But why share it widely? I mean, uh, I, this is freedom of speech. I'm allowed to say what I want You wanted. absolutely are. But I'm trying to understand why you do, because you have to know it's got a – There, it, it puts you in, a, in the middle of a – the partisan divide in the country, it makes you a lightning rod for criticism. I mean, do you like that? I, you know, people today saying he's an anti-Semite. I don't think you are. No, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm like, I'm like a pro-Semite, <laughs> if anything. I, I believe that probably is the case. Yes. But why would you even introduce the idea then? that that would be the, the case. I, I mean, it looks, we don't want to make this a George Soros interview. No, um, God, no. I don't, so, I don't want to uh, at all. But I'm, what I'm trying, even came up though in the annual meeting. I mean, you know, do your tweets hurt the company? Are there Tesla owners who say, I don't agree with his political position because, and I know it because he shares so much of it. Or are there advertisers on Twitter that Linda Yaccarino will come and say, you got to stop, man. Or, you know, I can't get these ads because of some of the things you tweet. You know, I'm reminded of uh, the, the, the scene in The Princess Bride. Great movie. Great movie. Um, where he confronts the person who killed his father. And he says, Offer me money, offer me power. I don't care. So you just don't care. You want to share what you have to say. I'll say what I want to say, and if if if, uh, if the consequence of that is losing money, so be it. Okay. Well, for the benefit of the listener, that long pause whilst Elon thought of how he was going to respond to that, it was dead air on TV, but they let him carry on. The interviewer didn't interrupt while he had that thought going through his head. The one thing that I'm disappointed about from Elon is that he didn't just say, I said it because it's a warning. I'm giving a warning to society. Why didn't he just say that? That was the question. Why did you say it? And then when he said, I don't care, then the interviewer says, you don't care, as if he doesn't care about anything which clearly isn't true. I'm still not 100% convinced because I'm incredibly cynical in my own old age about all of these billionaires. They've known what's going on for quite some time. Not really. Maybe. But but <laughs> I'm sorry, but, I have a different opinion based on what we were discussing about research that I'm doing. Yeah, so. sure, sure. But at some point or another, someone with this, with the kind of ability to influence the media the way someone like Elon Musk has, I would have thought someone would have started speaking up much longer ago. But we said when we started talking about how screwed up our entire body politics 
both here in the UK, Europe and across the pond, is that what we're looking for, what we're hoping for, is leadership that we can trust. And maybe this is one of the first steps to it with someone like Elon Musk. We've gone through all those processes of having ideologues in charge of everything, and all they do is subvert everything to fit their ideology. Elon Musk is a businessman. He's on the spectrum, I I believe. I think he has got some form of autism or Asperger's. And the people who I've met with those conditions are incredibly honest. And that is what we are missing in in all of our politics at the moment, is honesty. And he's being honest. And, and, I, and I really, really liked that interview. It was a bit uncomfortable what he thought of um, the quote from The Princess Bride, which is a great movie, by the way. In fact, I know someone who did some of the, in fact, you know him, you've met him too, someone who did some of the choreography for the fights in, in Princess Bride. So, yeah, well done, Elon. You could tell in the silence he was trying to think of the correct response there. You could see the gears turning. Uh, yeah. But one thing I did notice after, so you look at his his uh, mannerisms, his his body language before he made that statement, before he just said, I don't care. You could tell he was getting he, pissed that, off at the question he was being asked. Yeah, he was getting, yeah. But then he said that and it was like, there was a shift in his, in his demeanor a bit. It, it was a... Um, he had to put himself into the head of Inigo Montoya out yeah. of the film. He yeah. had to be uh, that swordsman. He had to have that. And that may, I mean, nowadays, there's so many trashy TV programs. I know a British boy, well, he's a man now, but when we first encountered each other, he was playing in one of my live roleplay systems. And he spoke with an American accent because all he'd done is watch American TV and People and he's he's got severe Asperger's as well. People they 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 live their lives vicariously through these TV characters or film characters or or whatever. And to a certain extent, I think that's what happened with Elon in that interview. He had to get in the head of Inigo Montoya to say that line. And you, yeah, you're right. You could see he was getting pissed off as he did with the BBC interviewer. A little while back, you could see that he was, but he didn't back off. He didn't flounce out of the studio and storm off. He stayed and he made his point. And um, I've got a lot of respect for the man for that, but I'm still fairly suspicious as well. I like the fact that you have at least one voice of, at least even if it's on the surface, you have one voice of dissent at some level in this, which that will filter down to the people that follow him. There are people that hang on a billionaire's every word, as we've talked about before, people such as Mr. Gates. When he attends these TED Talks, you have all those people laughing at him when he's literally talking about genociding a percentage of the human population as calmly as we're sitting here discussing whatever we're discussing. And people will do the same thing when they hear someone like Elon Musk say that. They will hang on his every word and they will emulate. They'll they'll live vicariously through that individual and his mannerisms and his responses as well. Yeah, it will have a it will give a groundswell at certainly people who follow him. See, my problem is I absolutely cannot hero worship anybody. I haven't got it in me. Maybe that's a, some kind of flaw that I have. You're your own like, hero. That's why. Well, I, no, I, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far because I, I know myself. 
It's like whenever I've met, sorry, I've, I've said it wrong already, but whenever I've encountered a famous person, a celebrity, if I relate the story to anyone afterwards, I always say they met me. Not the other way That's around. That's right. That's when David Icke met you. I remember you telling me about that. That's yeah. right. David Icke, Nasty Nick from EastEnders, Jim Fenner off of Bad Girls, the bloke who played Simerson in Sharp, they've all met me. So, yeah, I don't hero worship, but there will be people who do, and those people will perhaps change their thought process and start thinking about all the things that we've been experiencing in the last couple of years and look at it in a different light moving on in all of this i i would like to um i'd also like to get your take on something else because i mean you're here to give us your considered and informed opinion that we're all welcome to and we've been you holding are welcome. back a, Definitely yeah, welcome. been yeah. holding a few things back uh because of that the state of montana the u.s state of montana has decided that they're going to ban the chinese communist party propaganda app tiktok what do you think of that I think that's a really good idea. Montana is one of the states where there's huge swathes of land where there's absolutely <laughs> zero internet. Yeah. yeah. So will that well, make a lot of difference? Well, yes and no, because honestly, there are large parts of it that you don't have phone service. That's true uh, of any kind. Yeah. You you need literally a satellite phone if you're going to be out there in the middle of nowhere. And, and it's the same thing where Bruce lives. You go sometimes two or three miles outside of town and it'll be a couple of hundred miles to the next town. You won't have any service. There won't be anything. But they're going to eliminate the app from the app stores. So uh, they say it, uh, the governor said on Wednesday after he signed legislation to ban the app, he says that uh, uh, Montana will make it unlawful for Google and Apple app stores to offer TikTok within the state. How do we stop uh, on a state by state basis? How, how do we do that? Is it? I, I thought the stores were region specific, like the country, as opposed to a state. I, I think that's probably the truth uh, that there is by region. So this is all just hot air from the governor of Montana, the, the state governor. Um it's interesting. I've, I've tried to start watching, and I know you, you guys don't watch TV. You're too busy reading books, which is a really good thing. But there's a new series, been out for maybe a few months now, called Yellowstone, which is all about Montana and a, a, a big cattle ranch and the, the disputes between different kinds of industry trying to take over that land. And there's something that Kevin Costner, the main character, says in there, and uh, he's talking to his son, and they're looking out over this beautiful vista of mountains and prairie, and says, when money is no object, this is what you buy, as in that land. And if someone's doing something to try and protect the people of Montana, who live in that beautiful countryside, and that, that you know, that absolutely stunning scenery, then all well and good. We've also talked about the fact that banning an app is is kind of a, a restriction of freedoms. But in this particular case, I can categorically say for TikTok, it needs to be wiped off everybody's devices because it, it is just churning out crap. Uh, and it's wasting people's lives. People are, they make excuses for it. People with ADHD and these other conditions, they call it doom scrolling. 
where they'll just sit and scroll through video, short video after short video, totally closed off from anything that's happening around them, just focused on that little device in their hand. And TikTok is the worst offender for creating that kind of isolation. It is. And we were actually discussing that a couple of days ago when we were talking about our, uh, uh, you know, all, all things tech. We were uh, discussing TikTok and they found that, wouldn't you know, it's being used to push communist propaganda in the United States, in Europe and in the UK. Who would have thought? Well, you say that and I have as part of my research. No, it's because I got lazy and was spending too much time on a screen. But I have seen a lot of the videos that have been put onto TikTok. A lot of it is filth. There's a lot of filth on it, pornographic or semi-pornographic stuff. But there's also they all these examples. They allow that on TikTok? Until, until one of the moderators notices it and pulls oh, it see. off. But okay. it, it gets on there. But it's links. It's links to other people's only fan site. And, and it's just a little taster to get someone to spend their money and, and commit to a monthly subscription to some sad act who can't make a living any other way than humiliating themselves on short videos. As well as that, you also see all these examples of beautiful, shining cities, tall, good-looking Chinese people being really cool, wearing the best clothes, driving the best cars, all of that kind of stuff. Then there's other ones where you've got people in rural China, you know, uh, catching and killing their own food and cooking it in the wild. And, and as if they are, you know, as well as highly sophisticated and urbane, they're also very rural and what's the word I'm looking for? You know, versatile and good at things. Uh, and you don't see that kind of stuff portrayed in any of the British videos or the American videos. All you see in the American videos is bum fights, as in, you know, tramps on the street fighting each other, road rage incidents. Everything that you see on there is geared to make the West look like absolute pieces of shit. And China and Asia and Korea, you know, all look fantastic. So it's subliminal. It's not direct propaganda, but it gives a subliminal message. It is. And it's it's the same tactic that they use for things like uh, climate change and stuff like that. All of that stuff is banned and outlawed in places like Russia and China. The reason it's banned and outlawed there is because they don't want it infecting their societies. They design it as an ideological weapon to use against us. It's the same thing with TikTok, although they're doing that yeah. on an individual level to socially engineer people. They basically use our guilt against ourselves. We feel guilty. Oh, we're the Western industrialized nations. We've caused all this pollution and we'll feel guilty about it. Yet the biggest polluters in the world are China, India, probably Russia now as well, although what industry they really well, have, I don't know. They're, well, they do have a lot of mining and, and oil and gas and things like that, but they are not kind to the environment when it comes to extracting and, uh, and making sure that their business practices are kept to industry standards. We'll just put it that way. Bruce, do you have any comments on that before we, uh, before we move on to the next subject here? I do. Um, I, I would just like to point out that um, I agree that we should be banning TikTok. Um, that is a problem. CCP, as you as you just mentioned, I'm concerned about the precedent it'll set. 
uh, is my concern. This is a, it's a perfect storm kind of scenario. It's a problem that both sides can get on board with to enact uh, movement from the government. Then the government feels like, oh, well, yeah, we can, we can go around and just ban apps that we don't like. And I, I think it's a dangerous precedent for future. Uh, I mean, they, they could ban something that's genuinely good. Uh, that, as an example, let's say there's an app out there that enables people to, um, I don't know, exchange, let's say, cryptocurrencies or, uh, you know, some kind of marketplace or something like that. And they have a, a, a centralized digital currency. Um but yeah, they're going to want to ban that app because they don't want you to to be able to trade any other way except through their digital currency. So I, I think it's a dangerous precedent in that sense. Um, it, it, I don't want politicians thinking they can just go and ban any app that they want. Um, and to the point of can they ban it um, based on, you know, it, it, it's a state level. Uh, can they ban um, yeah, take the take a moment and when you do a Google search or whatever, scroll down there to the bottom and you'll find out that your location down to the exact, at least town, is listed there. All IPs are more or less uh, locational nowadays. Uh, used to, they, they would exchange them out, but more or less, it's kind of like area codes. There's, there's basically area codes for uh, IP addresses now, uh, and it, it, it's state level town city all that stuff it's all narrowed down to that it's uh, been so a it's know. been a, a long time since i've looked into any of this but the mac address the machinery access code is down to the individual device uh that's every time hold on a second they're changing that and the reason i say they're changing that is because they've had some security problems with that now you have devices and even i i just picked up a new device the other day the software that's on it now rotates the mac address every time it logs into the network but that's what used to happen with the ip address as well yes it used to be a new one it, yeah it used to rotate more yeah yeah if you look at the size of montana and then you look at the size of the united arab emirates i imagine they're around about the same size maybe in fact montana might be a bit bigger but what that country has is a proxy server so that all internet traffic without a vpn goes through a proxy server and any banned sites you you simply can't access without a paid for vpn so there, there there's still ways around it so even if in montana someone wants to get tiktok they'll they'll just use a vpn and log on as if they're somewhere else so it it's like i say it's probably just a piece of hot air it's 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 a political statement that is going to not really work and not really happen. However, in my personal opinion, the cryptocurrency stuff, for instance, aren't the governments trying to treat that as gambling now? It's yes, going to come they, under the same kind of yeah. um, legislation yes. as as gaming sites, as, as yeah. online the, gambling. Yeah, the UK government, you guys actually just passed an amendment on that the other day. I don't think it's gone all the way through yet, but I think it did pass the Houses of Parliament. I believe it did. Yeah. And the people in the Houses of Lords won't understand what the hell it means anyway, so they'll probably just go along with it. Yeah. But yeah, in, in, in my opinion, some things should be banned. I mean, we can all see the harm that child abuse and paedophilia material, for instance, that's banned because it's harmful. Uh, it damages a lot of people's lives. The fixation that people have with these apps like TikTok, where they're so absorbed, they're spending way too much of their life 
scrolling through short videos, because of the harm it does, I would say it does justify being banned. But again, it's just a gateway ban to banning all those other things, as Bruce says. Well, and you made a good point actually bringing up the pedophilia and whatnot. The the other issue that we run into as well, if you want those bans to be, um, you want it to have any kind of weight at all, it, you're going to have to tie some kind of criminal action to it as well. Uh, I mean, because you look at pedophilia or, uh, you know, that is, that's a crime. So you have the legal system backing you. In the case of banning TikTok, you get a VPN, uh, hell, for that matter, it opens up the door for uh, phishing exercises. People can say, oh, yeah, you can download the, the the TikTok app here, and it's a compromised version of TikTok, and, you know, they, they just created a back door. A bunch of hackers now have access to your phone or what have you. Uh, so uh, unless they're doing some kind of punishment and are tracking that, uh, banning an app is as you said it's just a bunch of hot air it's not going to do anything they, they can get a vpn and get it elsewhere or um I, I know as an example with um android we've talked about this before with our our tech stuff there's apps that you can get that's uh dot pack files you can just download it straight from uh their website on android so unless there's other regulation that's coming down this is this is not going to really do anything yeah and I'm so glad that I managed to say VPN rather than VPL, which is Visible Panty Line, which, again, you see a great deal of on TikTok. And OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. Not that I would know. I've never been on anyone's OnlyFans. Uh, of course, I'm sure that you have not. So uh, speaking of governmental bodies, Bruce, we have a uh, an esteemed senator who has returned to the Senate this week. And speaking of, of course, the Chinese Communist Party, who better to return to the Senate this week? Among many others, we've got an all-star lineup of senators that are coming back to the floor. The first of which is Senator Dianne Feinstein, whose private driver of 20 years was a Chinese Communist Party operative. This is Charles Schumer from New York welcoming the esteemed senator back. First this morning, on a happy note, I join my fellow senators in welcoming back our dear friend and esteemed colleague, Dianne Feinstein. It's so good to see her back here in the Senate, ready to get back to work. I've been in touch with Senator Feinstein over the past few weeks, and I can report she's exactly where she wants to be, ready to do the things she loves most, serving the people of California. So, Senator Feinstein, we are so happy to see you. Welcome back. Now, I, I understand that this is the American Senate, the United States Senate. I understand that. And, and Marty, I'm sure that are you're you sure? not- yeah. Are you sure that's the Senate? Because I'm pretty sure, yeah. Looking at that wizened little gray old man there, it looks more like a scene from Gringotts out of Harry Potter. Well, I'm Gringotts not Bank. Yeah, I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna disagree with you. But again, he's welcoming the esteemed senator back to the Senate. And this is the condition of which she returned to the Senate, as you can see here. She And she's exactly where she wants to be. Now, the same day, Breitbart put this up of her returning. It gets worse. To the for, the benefit of, for the benefit of the listener, um, you've just shown me a scene that looked like it. What's that one where the, the author gets his legs broken by the, uh, it's one of the, the, Stephen King novels, I'm sure it is. In the wheelchair, she looked like 
whoever it was who got his legs broken by his number one fan. And there, the lady has clearly suffered quite a severe stroke. And I'm I'm not joking. Um, and I I I don't mean to belittle the woman, but that person in that condition should not be serving in any kind of government. They are impaired, and as such. I really don't see why they are being welcomed back into the fold if it's not because they've got some ulterior motive. Surely, if you care that much about California and you are that ill, you would step down and let somebody else, fitter and more able, take the job on. But clearly not. Well, to your point, she actually, when they rolled her in, you could hear her asking, where are we going? Where am I? Confused at at, uh, what's going on. So and yeah, you know, clearly she, she's supposed to be there. Oh yeah, she's exactly where she wants to be. And you know, Bruce, you know that she's going to be up there at the the podium arguing on legislation, and she's going to be filibustering things, right? You you know that, right? Yeah, her and uh, Fetterman, right? Yeah, well, she was with, she was thirty minutes with, late, or I'm sorry, ninety minutes late to her first staff meeting, and she thought that Democrat senators were actually Republican senators. Explain this. Well, I think I know what filibustering is. Filibustering is where you continue to talk so that there's no time to take the vote or to just take up somebody else's time so they can't make a point. Well, looking at her, it probably take her 90 minutes to string one sentence together. What is going on? I mean, seriously, I know, I know they've overplayed their hand and they think they've got us all where they want us, but do they seriously think they can get away with this? It should be obvious to people that all of our governments are being completely subverted by either useless people, to corner phrase from what's-his-face, or by Machiavellian globalist lackeys. This is, you know, you've, you've got idiots and then you've got evil bastards, and they're all being pushed into our, our various houses and senates and, you know, come on, world, wake up. This, this can't go on. To further that along, Bruce mentioned Senator John Fetterman. Senator Fetterman has been released from Walter Reed Medical Center, where he was being treated for depression, and he has been returned to the U.S. Senate, where he was chugging beers a couple of weeks ago, I might add. That was a video that was put out by his, uh, his office. Uh, and here he is asking questions to one of the banking heads. Is, is it staggering? Is it a staggering responsibility that... Uh, the, the, the head of a bank could literally could literally crash our economy. It's astonishing. That's like if you have, I mean, like, uh, and and they also realize is that 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 uh, now they have it's in uh, guaranteed a guaranteed way to be saved by no again by no matter no matter by, by how you know. So it's it's you know isn't it appropriate that the those kinds of the, this kind of control should be more stricter? To prevent this kind of thing from going? Or should we just go on and start bailing and sailing whoever bank, regardless of how, how uh, there's, uh, their conduct is? You know, I'll give you an example. Uh, the Republicans want to give a, a work requirement for SNAP, you know, for a, 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 a hungry family has to, to have these this kind of penalties or these some kinds of Word working uh, required. Shouldn't you have a working requirement after we sail your bank you, with billions of your bank? 
because they seem to be more pre preoccupied uh, when, than SNAP uh, and requirements for works for hungry people, but not about pr protecting the, the, the tax papers, you know, that will bail no matter whatever does about a bank to crash it. That man does not belong there. I feel deep I feel sorry sympathy for him. for him. Yeah. Because I knew what he was trying to say. What he was trying to say is, surely if we've bailed your banks out, then you should have some kind of legislation that says you will not pay your staff massive bonuses. You will not give huge payouts to shareholders and that you will do something to make up for the fact that the taxpayer has bailed your bank out. Because just in the same way, I'm not sure what SNAP is, but I imagine it's some kind of way in which when a family gets into debt, they can consolidate their debts. They agree to pay off so, so much. No? No, it's a uh, it's a government food assistance program for people that, that need it. It's, it's a legitimate program. Well, we've got a thing here in the UK, and I'm sure there's something similar in the States, and they've been advertising it more and more recently, saying if you've got debts over a certain amount, it could possibly re be reduced by 81%. So you'd only pay back 19% or whatever the figure is of your debt with a regular monthly payment. But what that means is you can never borrow any money again. You'll never get a mortgage. You'll never own your own home. You'll All your assets will be taken into account and possibly taken away so that all you're left with is enough to pay your rent, pay your energy bills and pay for your food. It's exactly the trap that they want us to get in. That's what I thought he was talking about. But we've got food banks here in the UK. They're not government run, they're charities, you know, and people shouldn't, people who work, people who work um, a normal 40 hour week, 45 hour week, shouldn't be reliant on a charity to feed their family it is despicable but again i'm sounding like a communist now but um yeah is it, what's his name fetterman yeah uh, i John do fetterman, feel yeah. sorry for, i do feel sorry for him but i did understand what he was trying to say but every time i see him i think of the big kid uh, who belongs to the pirates in the Goonies going, hey, you guys. That's all I get every time I see that man. Again, the thoughts in his head might be perfectly good, honest, genuine, and useful. But the fact that he can't relay them, you know, when he's in office makes him in impaired to be in office. I know that sounds ableist, but there's plenty of people with all kinds of uh, disabilities that can still string a sentence together and make themselves understood. And that's what you need from your politician, from any any politician. The ability to be coherent, understood, and put forward a convincing argument on their policies. And he can't do it. And I'm pretty sure Feinstein can't do it either. Um, just not really cultured uh, in this, but this one I did know that was Sloth you were referencing. Oh, was it? Thank you. So sloth is the the big thing with the teeth the, in goonies. Yeah, yeah, with the the eye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, Mister Fetterman, but I, yeah, I you legitimately need to, you need to back down. Yeah, yeah. I, I legitimately when Bruce and I when we watched that a couple what was a couple of days ago, Bruce, I said that man doesn't belong there. Like we legitimately yeah. felt sorry for him. We could tell yeah. by the by the look on his face and you know his his mannerisms and stuff. We're like he he's trying. 
That's why he brought up that whole thing about SNAP, because that's the the program that he's he's been put in charge of in the Senate for the committee that he's on. That's probably the only reason he brought it up is because he's trying to put something in there that he's somewhat familiar with that he can actually make himself relevant for. And it, and it just it didn't go well. And I, again, I, I don't think he like he shouldn't be there. Yeah, he, he, re- he really shouldn't. If he could have just said something as pithy as there's no such thing as a free lunch, which is that old adage, and it's perfectly true. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Someone has to pay for it somewhere. So if the banks are getting bailed out, the banks need to return that money somehow to the taxpayer. If a family's getting bailed out because they've fallen on hard times, then there should be some way in which anyone who's able to work in that family doesn't work because that way they're earning their food, which we all should earn our food. It Food, I don't know, I, maybe I'm starting to sound like the CEO of Nestle now. It's not a God-given right. Ever since man was man and woman, we've had to work hard to get our food. We've had to either hunt it, gather it, farm it, or do something, provide a service or goods that can be exchanged for a fiat currency, which you can then buy food with. Just handing food out isn't a good idea because it makes people reliant on that charity and they don't progress. They lose their self-esteem. They lose their dignity. They lose their work ethic. So I, I get where he was coming from and I do feel sorry for him, but it's ridiculous that a state has to have someone who can't string a sentence together properly as their representative. Again, this is why we were wanting the the audits for the election uh, election system uh, that we were denied, um, and we were conspiracy theorists for even questioning our electoral system. But how did the American people, or at least uh, a state, elect that? Yeah, I do feel sorry for the guy, and I I, I can totally understand why he had to be in a, a mental a mental institution for a time because uh, you can you can kind of see it on him there at the end. He was kind of like you could tell the frustration at the end. He, he's like it, it looked like he he was kind of like I I just can't get my point out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking of which, the audits, voter ID, for instance, we've always had our polling cards to vote in local and general elections come through the door. We have to be on the electoral register to cast that vote and to get the polling card. So there, there is already voter identification here in the UK. But what the government have recently insisted upon and brought in is photo ID at the polling stations. And I've got absolutely no problem with that. I've got a driving licence, I've got a passport, so I can provide it. But Rhys Mogg, one of our senior Conservative MPs, was talking on TV the other day, and he more or less admitted that the plan to bring in photo ID when voting has bitten the Conservatives in the arse, because the majority of people who don't have photo ID are the much older generation who suddenly found themselves unable to vote, and as a result, Conservatives lost a lot of the local elections. And you've got the left screaming, well, this is gerrymandering and they've admitted it. It's not gerrymandering. It's just trying to make a secure voting system. But of course, one side or the other, this is the problem with party politics, will always try and score points. They never complain about it when it works in their favor. No, of course not. 
But I, at the same time, my cynicism is leading me to believe that we're due for a Labour government and knowing that How? Keir Starmer How? is... Like, that's not, like, that's not even, in my opinion, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to speak out of turn here, but... You know, because it's your system, it's your electorate, it's your constituency. But how? Like that, that to me makes no sense. Like that's not even an option in my opinion. Look, I know the Tories are are bad and what happened under uh, under Johnson and Truss and now Sunak, I, I get it. But going to that other extreme, that's just like throwing kerosene on an already out of control wildfire. Yeah, but there simply are not enough independents standing and even if there were a government of independence, how would that work? We need a complete change to the system. Unfortunately, our system is is very broken with I a two-party system. I don't think it is. It's just, you know, I make the same argument about the United States. It's not the system that's broken. It's the corruption and the individuals that are corrupt within it. And and I agreed with you about the U.S., in in those terms and to a certain extent here in the UK. But in order to have that proper clean out to really get bleach onto each of those benches, Labour and Conservative and Lib Dem for that matter are going to have to really, really lose in the general elections. And the predominant number of MPs elected need to be independent to get that clean out. Thereafter, the parties can eventually clean their act up. New parties and new coalitions may even form out of the independence. Then we've just got, if that does happen, then future generations, because I'll be too bloody old, will have to keep a good eye that they don't start the corruption again, that it doesn't all just go in one big cycle. You know, the reason history repeats itself is because nobody was listening in the first place. Again, I don't mean to speak out of turn, but in terms of not wanting to change the systems, because let's be honest, um, it's going to be forces from outside of our countries that are going to ensure that when those changes happen, they're going to be at the head of them. And I don't like the sound of that. And I'm not welcoming that in any way, shape or form. But you guys could do with a constitution US style, just saying. No, I agree with you. Absolutely. However, Second Amendment, isn't it? Second Amendment rights here in the UK. We're going to need it after this, my friend. Well, with the, with the state of our youth and you know even middle-aged people, I would not trust them with a gun, with a weapon. It's as simple as that. No argument. No argument. There's a lot of people these days that uh, I even the Americans, I'm like, you don't have any business being around firearms. You, you just like you just don't have the responsibility and the maturity that's that's needed. You haven't been brought up in a culture to understand. And it's just I think, it's, yeah, I, I think I, it's going mean, to take about I think it's going to take about three generations, 60 years to actually fix this. And we can't start fixing it until the Houses of Parliament have been fumigated of the corruption and globalists and the subversiveness uh, of it as well. Again, the stuff you've been researching, as well as the greedy ones, the ones that are crony capitalists. When you look at the amount of money spent on Convid, four hundred billion by the by the UK, all to be paid back by the taxpayer. But the the massive contracts that were handed to Tory chums, you know, people who've contributed uh, or donated to the party got billions 
in in contracts for PPE, for other services, and all of the normal protocols that stop that kind of insider dealing were waived because it was declared a planned dep- sorry pandemic. And to your point there, and and we can uh, we can go ahead and start our wrap up here. But uh, to your point there about about how the uh, subversiveness needs to stop. You've mentioned two British politicians here in the past. The Labour, of course, being uh, Mr. Harold Wilson. You know the man that smoked a pipe. That guy. Yeah. And another guy named Ted Heath. And mm-hmm. I believe he was the uh, the Conservative at the time. And yeah. just to and I'm sorry to to have to be the one to tell you this, but uh, if there's anybody that's going to tell you this, I'm glad that it's me. And I hope that you can appreciate that it's me that's telling you this. The powers that be outside of your country had them both in their back pocket. It doesn't surprise me, really, because Harold Wilson, with his little pipe and his trade union and his northern accent, he was a socialist, so absolutely prime. He was an ideologue, absolutely prime to be turned by communists. And, you know, we're talking through the 50s into the 60s to the very early 70s, where he had his, well, yeah, that's that's um, the other one, Ted Heath with Kissinger. That's Kissinger, and that's of course you know who that individual in the middle is. Yeah, the one in the middle is indeed Klaus Schwab, who has penetrated the cabinets. But the thing about Ted Heath is his flamboyance. He loved his yachting. He loved to get away on his yacht, and he was terribly posh. Went to a private school. We call them public schools here. You, but they're actually public schools are ones you pay for. State schools are ones you don't have to pay for, rather taxpayers pay for. And I don't want to tar them all with the same brush, but there are some very dodgy practices goes on inside these public schools. And I dare say, on one hand, you've got an ideologue like Harold Wilson from the left, easily subverted to communism. And then you've got a public school boy, posh person, very rich, who they've either bribed or they've blackmailed. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was the blackmail side of things. You got it. That's exactly what they do. Wrapping up here, do you have any final words for the uh, the listener before you are able to uh, move on with your uh, your weekend? And we, we certainly hope that we see you at our, uh, at our poker game on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. I would like to engage in that. It depends if, if my significant other person decides that I'm allowed. But it's only a case of walking down the garden path into my man cave. So I, I dare say that could be a possibility. I, I quite look forward to that idea. No, I I haven't got much else to say. We've, we've talked quite a, a broad church of subjects again tonight, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. Glad to be back into it. Bruce, over to you. Um, not much else to add to it. Uh, I'm hoping to also attend the um, uh, the poker match. Uh, uh, that day, I also have to pull up my kitchen floor again. So uh, if I can get that done in time, I will definitely be there. Bruce, I am hopeful that one day you will have a workable, walkable, livable kitchen floor. I'm hopeful. Uh, as I shake my magic eight ball, it says maybe someday. <laughs> the odds are in your favor. Ned is invited as well, but I will be speaking to him about that tomorrow, or I could ring him later tonight. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but, You'll have to get someone to explain the rules to him. He makes his own up as he goes. Well, we'll play cards with him before. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, this is going to be really interesting. We're due to have two Americans, right? So it'd be Bruce and I 
and it will be yourself, it will be Ned, and one other from the UK, and it will be one guy from Ireland, possibly a second, uh, another guy from the UK, one from Belgium, and one from Sweden. Oh, right. So there's so, international private it's, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a very interesting poker match, I have to say, if we can get yeah. everybody there. So anyway. All right, well, that is going to do it for today and for this week, and it's been an absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Marty, we'll see you next week, yes? You will indeed. Very good. We're looking forward to that. I'd like to thank you both for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Good night, all.